Grasp the Bible is a podcast of Spring Baptist Church that walks through selected books of the Bible verse by verse, as well as spends time exploring biblical ideas and topics to help you understand and apply God's Word in your daily life. Pastor Dale Stein of our Klein campus will be leading each week's podcast. This is our 140th episode. Thank you for joining us today. And as we close out 2023 and look forward to 2024, maybe you are already making New Year's resolutions. Perhaps one of your resolutions is to engage in consistent Bible reading. The seven-week series is designed to help you be a better student of the Bible so you can continue to uncover the hidden treasures in God's Word. For the next two weeks, we will be diving into 29 Bible study tools to help us better understand the Bible. This week, Pastor Darrell will be talking about what a Bible study tool is and why they are important. He will also touch on different types of Bibles and end with contrasting three different approaches to Bible translations. Bible study tools come in all different shapes and sizes, and the best ones can really make a difference in your comprehension of the Bible. Christians today have unprecedented access to the Bible, and yet the availability doesn't help too much if we don't read it regularly and in context. So, over the next two episodes, we're going to take a look at some tools that can help you learn more about the Bible. Today and next time, we will learn about different kinds of Bible study tools and what you can do with them. Now, there's some frequently asked questions here. If you're just starting to explore the Bible and the many Bible study tools, you might have a few questions. Hopefully, these answers can give you a better understanding of what Bible study tools are and how they can help you grow deeper in your your relationship with God. So what are Bible study tools? Well, they are resources that can assist you in reading, understanding, and studying the Bible. There are many different types of Bible study tools available. Most tend to fall into one of two categories. Number one, the Bible, of course, which is available in many English translations and supplementary resources, and we'll cover each of these in more detail in this episode and in the next. In short, Bible study tools can help provide important historical context, find translation differences between versions, determine the true meaning of a passage, and assist you in applying the lessons in your lives. Now, why are Bible study tools important? For anyone looking to read the Bible for the first time, or even a seasoned veteran, studying the Bible can be quite an intimidating task. For one thing, the sheer length can be overwhelming. The right Bible study tools can help you build a solid foundation on God's Word and set the stage for continued spiritual growth. Bible study tools can help you discover the historical context of Scripture and often overlook key to understanding the Bible's meaning. The Bible was written thousands of years ago, and a lot has changed since then. Since most people don't have a comprehensive knowledge of ancient Greek, Roman, and Hebrew language and cultures, the historical context can sometimes be swept aside in the rush to interpret and apply Scripture. But forgetting the Bible's context leads to a horde of problems, including proof texting, what's called eisegesis or reading into Scripture, what's not there, and other costly interpretation errors. 
So <clears throat> what does the Bible say about Bible study tools? Some people might ask, why do I need any Bible study tools? Why not just give me the Bible? Why do I need extra help? Well, the answer to these questions here, in order to answer them, let's review the well-known parable of the Good Samaritan. It's about a Jewish man who was robbed and injured while traveling. Several Jewish officials pass by the man and leave him for dead. The man is saved only when a Samaritan man stumbles upon him and decides to take him under his wing and nurse him back to health. Part of the punch of the parable is at the very end when Jesus says, and he was a Samaritan. Luke never tells us about the animosity between Samaritans and Jews. The Gospel of John does, does, but not in connection with the parable. Instead, Luke assumes that the readers know what he means, that they have this background cultural knowledge. He didn't have to say, wink, wink, Jews don't like Samaritans. He just assumed that the readers would know that, and they would because they lived at that time. And Jesus assumed that the person he was talking to knew that, and the Bible assumes that you know it. But if you do know it, it's likely because someone or something has filled in that knowledge for you, such as a pastor or a Bible study book or a devotional. So you're already bringing outside knowledge to your study of the text. From here, you could ask, who else do I want to bring into this conversation and learn from? Or what other questions do I have about this text and where can I find the answers? That's where secondary resources such as Bible dictionaries come in. They will equip you with ways to dig in and find more information when you have a question about a passage. However, it is important to remember that while all Scripture is God-breathed, outside Bible tools are not. These tools work best when you recognize their limitations and consult a wide range of similar reputable resources so you can spot faithful ways to understand the text. So what is the best way to study the Bible? Well, the best way to study the Bible and the best Bible study tools to do it with depend on what you're looking to get out of your efforts. For example, someone reading the Bible to research historical accuracy would employ different methods than someone studying the Bible to strengthen their relationship with God. While everyone has their own preferred method for studying the Bible, the best way is to start by using the three-step hermeneutical process, which we covered in the last podcast, which is observation, what does the text say, interpretation, what does the text mean, and then finally application, what does this mean for my life? Now, there are different types of Bibles. There are tons of different types of Bibles available in hundreds of different styles, languages, and approaches to learning. While you're certainly able to study the Bible with any book or app you have on hand, these unique resources that I'm going to mention here provide additional tools for effective learning. So, first of all, study Bibles. That's the first help you can have. Study Bibles combine multiple study tools, such as a Bible dictionary and commentary, into one volume. Study Bibles are often able to deliver powerful insights, but the notes within are usually much more concise and to the point than full-blown commentaries, and we're going to get to that in a moment. When sold in print, the text of the Bible is placed right alongside or above the notes and articles. 
There are hundreds of study Bibles to choose from across as many different translations, so you're sure to find one that suits your needs. Studying a parallel Bible is arguably the easiest way to compare and contrast text in various translations across a single resource. And using multiple Bible translations in your study is one of the most overlooked but beneficial practices that you can implement. The choice that translators make are not arbitrary. When two translations disagree, and I use that in quotes, on the translation of a particular verse or phrase, it's not necessarily that one is right and the other is wrong, although that's possible. And so uh, I found this great quote from Dr. Mark Ward, and he describes it this way. Having 10 translations is like having 10 teachers who are focused, laser-like, on the Bible text, doing barely anything more than reading it with expression and feeling. Their expressions and their feelings will differ for various reasons, and it is in those contrasts that the Bible then really comes alive. And so, we know also that, that going back and forth between paper versions of Bibles, parallel Bibles, can be difficult. Uh, sometimes you can go and you can invest in a parallel Bible. So this is a one-volume Bible that may contain two or three or even four translations and they're laid out in columns one alongside another. So you might be able to look at a particular text of the Bible in, let's say, the NIV, the NASB, the ESV, and the NLT. Right, So you might be able to see four different Bible translations of the same verse and read from one verse to another, and the translators are going to use, at times, different words uh, in their trans- choice of translation. Some will be easier to read than others, and so that's the benefit of having a parallel Bible. Now, um, there's also uh, a journaling Bible. So we've talked about study Bibles and parallel Bibles. There are journaling Bibles, too. So a step up from your everyday Bible, a journaling Bible gives you a bit more flexibility for highlighting and note-taking. And by the way, let me, let me say this. Don't be afraid about writing in your Bible. Okay, There is nothing blasphemous or sacrilegious about it. It is your book for studying God's Word, right? It is your tool, and it's okay to write in them, to highlight them, to make notes and things like that. And so with journal Bibles, they have extra wide margins, and some of them are even lined for note-taking. Others are interleaved, which means uh, blank pages for note-taking, and they're bound along with the Scripture. Journaling Bibles are great for getting your notes down on paper while studying without having to lug around an additional notebook. Instead, you can jot down any thoughts, questions, or prayers you have right alongside the related passages. Plus, It can be a rewarding experience if you have your own notes to look back on each time you reread a section of the Bible. The only thing you need to worry about is running out of space next to your favorite verses and stories. Next we have loose-leaf Bibles. Now, these are large three-ring binders containing every page of Scripture laid out with roomy margins and, typically, slightly wider line spacing called leading. But the biggest advantage isn't just all about space, it's the fact that you can remove and copy pages without destroying your Bible. Although these Bibles don't offer nearly the flexibility of uh, digital Bible study tools, they're worth considering. And if you don't want to spring for one from one of the big publishers, you can just print one yourself. Next, there is a 
reader's Bible. And it's essentially an easy-to-read, simplified version of the Bible. Now, previously, I mentioned some of the powerful tools that today's Bibles have begun to incorporate to help readers go deeper into their studies. Elements such as translation tools, in-text commentaries, cross-references, footnotes, and dictionary snippets, and these all can provide the reader with a more comprehensive look at a passage. However, it can also overwhelm us and detract us from the original text, which is God's Word. That's why a reader's Bible strips down the text to the most basic elements required for reading. A reader's Bible may only contain a simple page number and reference. This way, the reader can focus directly on the God-breathed words at hand and draw their own conclusions without the help of outside resources if necessary. So there are some great reader's Bibles that don't have chapter headings, they don't have chapter numbers, they do not have verse numbers. And so it's taking you back essentially to how it was written in the original language. So you just start reading and you don't know what chapter you're in or what verse. It just reads like a story, like the other texts that we're used to reading nowadays. So that is one advantage of a reader's Bible. Next, we have digital Bibles. And so if you're looking for a Bible that you can easily mark up, easily switch between translations, and discover valuable insights into each passage, this is by far the most versatile option. So think of it as a journaling study Bible with infinite margins combined with a loose-leaf Bible of limitless flexibility and crossed with a parallel Bible with every translation imaginable. So there are lots of great digital Bibles that you can find online. Now, let's look at some Bible translations and examples. Perhaps you've sat in a church service and wondered why your copy of the Bible wasn't in sync with what the preacher was reading from in the pulpit. Well, that's because the Bible has been translated into the English language in more than 900 different ways. Now, you might be wondering, what makes each of those versions different from the next? And which one is best to read? You've likely heard of some of the more well-known ones, such as the King James Version, the New International Version, or the English Standard Version. However, there are hundreds more that even the most well-versed biblical scholar is not likely to name. Because there are so many, the simplest way to compare and contrast these various Bible translations is by breaking them down into three overarching categories. And so, we'll discuss each one of these next. So, First of all, there are word-for-word translations. Also known as a literal translation or formal equivalent, word-for-word translations tend to be the most historically accurate Bibles available. As the name implies, they attempt to find a one-to-one English word for every Hebrew or Greek word written in the original text. So, an example of this is the New American Standard Bible. To better understand the differences between Bible translations, let's look at a popular Bible verse translated in each fashion. So, let's take a look at John 3.16 in the New American Standard. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, these types of translations can be hard to follow, particularly for new Christians or for young readers, because the language can seem clunky or even outdated. For example, the word begotten 
is not an often used word in the English language today, and many readers might miss the meaning of the phrase. However, you can't beat a word-for-word translation when it comes to understanding the Bible more deeply. Now, next we have thought-for-thought translations. These may be referred to as the dynamic equivalent of the original text. That's because, unlike word-for-word translations, thought-for-thought versions attempt to convey meaning by translating entire phrases into contemporary language, grammar, and styles. For example, there's the New International Version. So here's how that version translates John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Thought-for-thought translations are often just as biblically faithful as word-for-word translations. Panels of Bible scholars work together to ensure the final result of these translations are highly accurate and understandable by modern readers. And then finally, there are paraphrases. Paraphrased Bible versions are also known as free translations. They are the most loosely translated from the Greek or Hebrew languages while attempting to capture the same overall meanings. In fact, some Bible experts argue that paraphrased Bibles are not translations in and of themselves, but rather a supplementary tool that can be used alongside word-for-word or thought-for-thought text. Regardless, these Bibles have the potential to be powerful resources for those wanting to study the Bible in a more relevant way. So an example of this is the message. Listen to how that translation translates John 3.16. This is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son, His one and only Son. And this is why, so that no one need to be destroyed. By believing in Him, anyone can can have a whole and lasting life. So as you can see, this iteration of the verse is most similar to the way someone might speak to a friend today. It can be especially useful for new believers or those looking to get into Bible study for the first time. After trying out a couple of different versions of the Bible, you're likely to land on a personal favorite. Some are easier to read than others, while certain translations can boost greater or boast greater historical accuracy. Oftentimes, it comes down to personal preference. While you'll probably stick closely to your favorite Bible version, reading a passage in a different Bible translation is a great way to study the Bible more in depth. For example, reading John 3.16 in the New American Standard, in the NIV, and in the Message can help show the meaning of begotten or answer other questions you might have. And if you're still stuck after leveraging several Bible translations, that's where supplementary tools can come in handy to help you illuminate the Word. And we will cover those next time. I hope you'll join us then. Thank you, Pastor Darrell, for this introduction into Bible study tools. We hope that if you're looking to purchase a new Bible, You are now better informed, so you can select one that meets your desires and needs. Join us next week as we present part two of this series. And remember, as always, to like and share the podcast across all of your platforms. And we do not take it for granted that you listen in every single week. Bless you, and we hope you have a great New Year.